Welcome back to the Level Up podcast. Today, I have a very special guest with me, uh, a good friend of mine, um, and uh, Kanzi. How are you? All good. Thank I'm, you I'm so just much. Wait, I'm, I'm waiting a second before I, I, I start uh, uh, listing down all the accolades, <laughs> right? But how are you doing? First? All good. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. We've been trying to do this for a long time. Yes. So finally, we made it. Yes. So I'm very excited. All right. So, um, Kanzi, uh, you're 28, 29 years 29. old. You're 29 years 29. old, right? Uh, you have. Uh, established more than 220 professional accolades correct and squash yes right uh, you were ranked uh, number 21 worldwide mm -hmm. amazing and uh, you have started uh, the flying daff uh, a couple of years back mm -hmm. correct mm -hmm. so um, if, if if you don't mind we like want to know a bit more about your story because you're you're too young for all of this if, if I may say and uh, I want to get your story from the very beginnings like uh, tell me a bit more about uh, your upbringing and, and how you got to start uh, the flying death of course so basically I grew up in Egypt and Egypt is one of the most leading countries uh, in squash they are uh, you know we've been dominating the squash uh, sport for the past 25 years uh, whether it's male or female so a lot of kids grow up in Egypt and they really aspire to become champions. It's very popular for parents to push their kids to play squash from a young age, which my parents did. So, well, which I did back in the day, by, by, by the way. Like, like, with you? No, 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 myself. With you, myself. Yeah. yeah, I used yeah. to play squash uh, in uh, prep school. So uh, during those early days, uh, like if you remember, Jankis Khan, if, if Jankir, I know. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was uh, the number one at some point. And then uh, Barada. Yes. Uh, he he uh, won championships and there was the tournaments in Hergada and, and tournaments uh, in uh, like uh, by the pyramids so exactly, this yeah. is where the time where I was interested and invested in squash yes yes yep. so every, you know a lot of people in Egypt uh, aspire to become squash champions True. because we have so many squash champions and I started playing when I was seven I didn't really like the sport for me I was playing other, a lot of other sports mm -hmm. but my parents said that squash I have a bright future in it but I wasn't really interested in the sport until I was nine years old when my parents um, took me to Germany to play my first ever uh, international tournament. I used to play locally, mm -hmm. but I didn't really like the environment and the competitive vibe. I thought it was like very intense. And then I went to Germany and I took second place. And I remember very well, I was nine years old and the feeling of holding a trophy up and having my first international achievement, only then I understood how good I was uh, from a very young age at that sport. And only then I understood my passion for winning and for not wanting to be second ever again. Mm -hmm. So um, I went back and then I told my parents, I want to play squash only, remove me from all other sports. And squash is going to become my future, my career. And from that moment on, I was like, I was determined to become the best squash player in the world and the best squash player that I could And ever how, be. How, how did they take it? They were very happy, of course. Okay. Uh, I, I was still playing a very few sports like um, uh, swimming or things like that, but like the basic sports. But squash was um, my ultimate priority. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started very intensely from a very young age. So I was uh, training uh, five to six times a week, uh, multiple hours a day from only when I was nine years old. And that intensity only kept increasing as I grew older. Um, when I was 12 years old, I turned pro. Mm -hmm. And my first tournament, luckily, 
actually it was in Egypt so there was a professional tournament held in Egypt and I played out of this world and I uh, ended up beating uh, one of the girls who, were, who, who was at the time number 42 in the world mm-hmm. and again that was another uh, you know re- light bulb moment for me when I realized that I wanted to become it's, a, it's, it's, an it's, incredible it's pro. turning to a career it's turning to, to, exactly. to something that you want to pursue and you want to uh, move forward with exactly I, I, I looked you know I, I looked at myself in the mirror and I said I just beat the world number 42 today and I'm only mm-hmm. 12 years old so I can only imagine uh, what, will what, what on. will happen later on and uh, I was either 12 or 13 mm-hmm. I, I don't remember but at that point on uh, turning professional at a young age was also something that a lot of Egyptians do mm-hmm. uh, com- c- compared to other countries uh, other countries you would see people turning pro from 18 or 19 uh, or even after college but in Egypt you turn pro from an extremely young age and a lot of people play locally under their age category but also play pro so this is what I was doing up till I was 18 um, and of course I started breaking the top uh, 200 and then 100 and then you know I kept climbing up the rankings and then uh, after I graduated from high school I wanted to play full-time professional mm-hmm. so I told my parents I am now number I don't remember which number I was let's say 60 something I said okay I want to stop playing um, I, I want to stop my education here I finished high school I don't want to go to college and I just want to become a professional athlete and they said absolutely not of course <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was a very uh, hard moment for me because my high school was very difficult mm-hmm. uh, I struggled a lot to balance between my academics and my sport and I just wanted to play squash that's all I wanted and uh, of course looking back at it now that was you know I wasn't smart because what if I get injured what if something happens then I don't really have another career um But yeah, so I graduated from college and I had an opportunity to go. Uh, I, I was recruited from uh, an American university to go study abroad. And this was uh, an incredible opportunity that I couldn't say no to because I had, uh, you know, a very high financial aid to travel to the U.S. and continue my academics there. And I really liked the, um, the idea of traveling and being so independent and moving countries, like leaving everything in Egypt and going completely across the globe to mm-hmm. for a new adventure. It was extremely exciting for me to play college sports because for me, squash is an individual sports, but in college it was a team sport. Mm-hmm. So it was a completely different... Uh, like, that's, a, that's a different mentality. because Completely different mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, completely different setup as well. You're not playing for yourself, you're playing for a team. Mm-hmm. So I really discovered new things about squash at that time and I also really liked the fact that I was going to live alone and be alone and discover a lot of things about myself learn new cultures uh, you know just learn how to do everything by myself so I I thought that this was a, an incredible opportunity I told my parents they agreed for me to go eventually again at that time it was not popular at all for uh, female squash players to leave Egypt and go abroad. Now, now uh, 10 years later, it's extremely popular. Mm-hmm. Everyone is going. But at the time, it was almost unheard of. And uh, a lot of people were, you know, they, they thought it was uh, a bit of a bold move or a bit of a very courageous move for me to, to go there. Um, and then I went there and I was playing number one for my, for my college as a freshman, which is also something that doesn't happen because you usually play one in your junior or your senior year mm-hmm. so I really liked being like the small uh, young freshman of the college who was playing number one and I always like all my teammates always relied on me I was always um, 
the one who, uh, you know, they, they didn't even think about it. it was always like, Kenzie's going to win her match. Let's focus on the other matches now to make sure that we get the win. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was also playing professional. So I was studying, I was playing squash for college, and I was also playing professional all at the same time. Now, the difference is that when I was in college, my mentality was completely different uh every time i went to a pro career, like pro tournament i didn't care if i was going to win or lose so i would just show up i'm a student at the end of the day i'm mm-hmm. a student no one has any expectations of me i'm still in my first or second year of uh, studying i show up i'm playing number 20 in the world zero expectation i'm the i'm the underdog i go in i win i play the best squash of my life uh i go back to school go back to studying go back to playing with my college and i just kept doing that and these were the years where my performance was going really well Mm -hmm. in in both uh, uh college career and professional career and then when i graduated this was the moment when i said okay now is the time to take it full on. To take it full on. I have no excuses, right? My parents are not going to ask me to do a PhD, mm-hmm. right? It's done. So I finished my high school. I finished my college. At the time, I was number 30th in the world and number one in America on, on a college level. And I said, this is my moment to shine, to become the best squash player that I can be. I'm going to get on an intense training program, on an intense diet, on an intense fitness program. I got the best coaches of the country. I had a mental coach. I had a full-on team with me to really give me the full resource to become the best player that I can and be. And how, how old were you at that time? 21. You were 21. So you had a full team, you had the full support, you have everything to just take on this world of uh, squash, the world of sports and uh, rank up and, and try to reach number one. Exactly, cool. exactly. So it was, uh, I was 21, like about to turn 22. That was the time. And I was 30th in the world. Mm-hmm. And I had never had these kind of resources before in my whole life and I, I was never full-time uh, professional I, I was never a full-time professional athlete as well mm-hmm. so once I got I went from uh, playing training with my teammates in college to having this full team of professionals which was like a very drastic move for me but all of a sudden the squash became such a like such a serious thing it became such a serious thing it, it, it kind of became like a job where I had to when to make money so I can go to the next tournament. And uh, my goal was to become, uh, was to break the top 10 within one year. So mm-hmm. I put, I set that goal for myself. It's it's good to set goals, but I set that goal as if it's a matter of life and death. So mm-hmm. I said, if I, it's like, if I don't break top 10, the world is going to end. Like I have to break top 10. I have to break top 10 within a year. Of course, some people reach that and it's very doable, but it's also not realistic uh, for some people and not realistic in my uh, at that time for me I needed more time to adapt to learn uh, you know how to play with the top level athletes I needed some time to adapt to the new my my new coaches my new team and one year is not really uh, enough time enough for, for me to, to to reach to reach uh, my solid uh, performance and it took uh, after a year and a half I moved eight spots in the ranking so instead of being number 30, I moved to number 22nd. And for me, this was the biggest disappointment ever. I couldn't uh, Break the 20, uh, top 20 rank. I couldn't break the top 20. And at the time, even though it was, it was a great achievement for a year and a half, and I just could have kept going, I... 
I my mentality and everything that was around the sport was completely different than before I went full time. Mm-hmm. So I started being having so much pressure on myself. I started uh, I started putting so much pressure on myself. I started uh, acting like I absolutely have to win. Like losing is not an option. And that just adds a lot of toll on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. When you go into a match holding all of that responsibility that you really need to win, that losing is not an option. And, you know, I'm going to... And I had all of these like... Uh, I, and you're going to kill yourself in the court just to make it happen. I'm going to kill myself in the court, but it wasn't really my performance because with my performance, I was carrying all that worry and anxiety and fear and mm-hmm. I don't want to lose and I don't want to be ashamed of myself and it was a lot to carry with me. Mm-hmm. Before that, before I was a full-time pro, I was going to these tournaments and I was still killing myself on court, but I was having fun. I was enjoying the process. I, I didn't care if I won or lost and I was playing the best squash of my life. So this shift of mentality uh, com- combined with a back injury uh, unfortunately forced me to retire at a very young age, which was I was 25 at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never thought that I would retire at 25. Never. I thought that I would retire when I'm 50. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And not only the age, it's more of the achievement itself. So retiring at, uh, uh, my highest world ranking was 21. Retiring at, uh, with, with being 21st in the world for me is the biggest failure. It's, I, I didn't even make it to top 10. So mm-hmm. for me, it was so embarrassing and such a failure that I couldn't even, um, uh, I couldn't even announce or I couldn't even tell people that I retired. So I just stopped. I didn't even, um, you know, usually professional athletes when they retire or when their careers end, they just, they write a nice post on social media. They announce that they retired. Mm-hmm. There's an article about it. They thank their sponsors. They thank their parents. They thank their coaches. I couldn't even do that because it was so hard for me to accept that I'm retired. Mm-hmm. I just put it behind me. I, w- I said, okay, squash pro career is behind me. I don't care about it right now. I just need to see what I'm going to do next. Nice. And, and actually, looking, looking into your uh, story and, and um, the different milestones that you have been talking about, like, uh, especially you were, you were saying since high school, you wanted to stop education and you wanted to pursue this career. It tells me big time that you're bold and you're a risk taker. So how did you manage uh, realizing that uh, y- you cannot make a decision about continuing the sports career, right? You have an injury. Uh, your doctors are not clearing you to uh, to compete and you cannot continue competing this way. So you took this information, you took it to yourself, you didn't go public with it. What was your thought process on the next move and the next steps? And how did you start taking the upcoming risks that you're going to talk so about? So I always knew that I don't want to work in a conventional, like traditional office, nine to five job. I don't want to work for someone. I don't want to, you know, just have any uh, job in any company, even if it's a multinational company. Mm-hmm. I always knew that in the beginning, I always knew that I wanted to become, you know, world number one in squash, for example. And when that didn't happen, I wanted to become number one at something else. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that was. So... I did something really scary. And now looking back on it, I don't even know how I did that. What was your uh, university degree? Uh, I double majored in international studies and French and minored in urban studies. Okay. So 
has nothing did you to ever do. did it ever come to your thought like okay I'll, I'll i'll look into what i studied because you were doing both at the same time yeah, so i'll never. look into what i studied and and try to pursue a career there never so you're always like this hustler like i'm i'm, I'm not someone who's gonna just try to find a job try to find you are going to create your own career exactly exactly okay so I I was I, I left the US at the time. I went to Egypt. I tried to play pro there for a bit. Didn't work. Mm-hmm. And then I just decided that I needed to be to, to, a new. I decided that I needed a new environment, a new page. I wanted to be in a country where no one knows me, mm-hmm. where there is no squash, mm-hmm. where no one would recognize me, and uh, where I just can really take the time to think about who who am I. If I'm not a squash player, because mm-hmm. that was the biggest problem. I completely lost myself after that. I had been playing squash for more than 20 years. It had been my whole entire life, right? Um, no, at the time I was 25. So I had been playing for 18 years, 18 maybe. Years, or, yeah. yeah. So, but consistently and it was my life and it was mm-hmm. not just my life it was my purpose mm-hmm. it was something that defined me when people ask me what do you do or how are you or where are you it always came down to me being a professional athlete and mm-hmm. it was something that was uh, identifying me you know it was like my identity mm-hmm. in a way so when that was taken away from me I was completely lost. It was like someone threw me in the sea and they were like, swim, and I don't know how to swim because mm-hmm. I have no idea where, what to do or, or, to do or where to go. And this is why I pushed myself to, uh, you know, fly to Dubai and uh, discover myself there and find a new career path. And I think I'm not the only one to just book a one-way, one-way flight to Dubai, come here with absolutely nothing. I remember so well, I had 200 dirhams coming here on the plane, one-way ticket, and that's all I had. I didn't have... So you didn't have a job off? You didn't get um, uh, any kind of like um, uh, tickets coming in, uh, relocation packages, none of this. Nothing. I didn't have a job. I didn't have friends here. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have family here. I didn't have a place to stay. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a license. Nothing. I just literally came on a one-way ticket and I wanted to uh, kind of like like to be reborn again okay as uh, something like as someone else that is not a professional athlete so coming here of course i did what everyone or most of the people do here in dubai hustled my way through worked mm-hmm. in every single job that you can imagine knocked on every single doors uh, you know not knocked, knocked on every single door i went to uh, every single industry i didn't care what it was whether it was real estate and this is actually how we got to know each other by the exactly. way exactly yeah. yeah so uh, whether it was uh, you know social Social media, marketing, restaurant, uh, hospitality industries, hotels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did all sorts of jobs, and I just wanted who, to. Who guided you? Like, how did you do this? Like, you're you're coming in. You you booked a one way ticket to Dubai, knowing it's um, it's an amazing city with amazing opportunities. Like everyone who's living here can attest to that. Yet, uh, it's it's not like if you don't work or if you if you cannot hustle if or you cannot make money. It's not going to be easy for you to survive. Of course, it's, it's it was, expensive to live in. It's it's not easy to just stay here without a job, without work, without knowing anyone. So, what was your thought process on that, and, and how did you take it? I think take me my step step? my biggest motivation is that I always knew that I was going to make it mm-hmm. far. I didn't really know exactly the, the how. how or what are the details, but I knew that if I worked hard and if I pushed through hard enough and if I'm consistent and persistent and super dedicated and, you know, I just keep going, I knew that I was going to reach somewhere. Mm-hmm. But the exact steps were unclear to me. I didn't know which career. I didn't know which industry. I didn't know how I was going to reach there. I just knew that 
the, the, what's coming is better. So that's always that was always my motivation. It's like today is bad, but tomorrow is going to be better. So, so, so side note, like for uh, for people watching, actually the 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 career or the industry that we got to know each other in was uh, preparation for a book fair. Exactly. <laughs> so it's so not random. related to to sports. It's not related to technology. It's not related to anything. Yet this was the industry where we got to work together. Yeah. Uh, I remember you were um, freelancing at that point, yes. if, if I'm not mistaken, and yes. uh, we were providing services for the book fair, and then we got to work together. And this is where we connected. And fast forward, now we're we're actually like friends and working together on other stuff. We're exactly. we're gonna tap into. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so I, I I in the beginning there was no guidance. It was just get as many jobs as possible in one day mm -hmm. and at some point I was doing four jobs at the same time because uh, what, two of them were part-time two of them were in the evenings so I just wanted to do as much as possible mm -hmm. I didn't really care about the money at that time I didn't really care about the industry I just wanted to learn to meet people and in between my uh, in between my jobs I would go down and see who's at the coffee shops and just speak to people and network and uh, connect with people on LinkedIn and I just wanted to do more and to meet more people mm -hmm. and to understand the ins and outs of Dubai and how it works and I, I didn't know anything about Dubai so I came here and I wanted to learn everything about it uh, how it works uh, you know and where, where did you get this mentality from like the, the ideas especially like I'm Egyptian as well right so so we know how we, we are brought up in, in Egypt and the idea of like okay going somewhere um, you don't know anyone there and then meeting people and networking it's 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 not No, like I wouldn't say normal, but I would say it's it's not how people are brought up, mm. right? Just sitting there and, and talking to people and networking and trying to make connections. So how how like what changed or what's like how did you unlock this uh, mentality? I think uh, being a professional athlete and growing up in a competitive environment uh, has taught me to has taught me so many values, and all of those values I've after I stopped playing pro I've uh, I've executed them and I've applied all of them into mm -hmm. my day to day life. So it's a combination of being determined and wanting to reach my goals and wanting to be the best and wanting to be successful and you know whatever it takes I'm gonna get there and hustling and this all falls down under the category of me being a professional athlete so mm -hmm. it was more me taking everything that I have had learned in the past 18 years and applying them to my day-to-day -day life because I'm not on court anymore uh, you know can't breathe from being tired and pushing mm -hmm. through so I translated that in a different way uh, in the corporate world so sports gave you this mentality or this drive to actually implement it also in the regular uh, 100%, job 100% 100% Yeah. Great. Amazing. So uh, you kept on hustling. You kept on trying out. What happened then? I, I, I hustled so much that at some point I was so worried because I messaged every single person on LinkedIn in Dubai. And I would be so worried because I would be sitting in a random place and I would be like this person I've messaged. Or mm -hmm. then someone would come and tell me, oh, I know you, you messaged I saw me on LinkedIn. From you or yeah. or uh, I would be at a job and someone would be would be like, oh, you messaged me on LinkedIn. And it was I was so embarrassed. So my reach on LinkedIn was absolutely ridiculous. I was literally being a full like full time employee for myself on LinkedIn. Uh -huh. I didn't leave anyone without messaging them. So uh, you know, one thing led to another. I was um, I was I had two jobs in the morning and in the evenings. I was teaching French and also coaching squash. Mm -hmm. So I still squash was still there somehow. But again, I'm not. 
being vocal about it. I'm mm-hmm. just coaching some people in their own buildings and that's it. I, I still had so much resentment towards the sport that I was just doing it for the money and I didn't want you know, anything that close to okay. that close to the sport. Interesting. Yeah. And then, um, and then I started making a bit more money and I started getting into the events industry where we met. And once I became a bit more financially stable, Corona hit. Mm-hmm. Right. And when COVID-19 hit, this was, one of the most revolutionary moments of my life because that was the time where I had uh, where I had freedom and I didn't have anything to do so I uh, spent most of my time thinking and analyzing what I want to do with my life mm-hmm. and what I want to do with my career because <clears throat> now I didn't have financial uh, problems I was I was in an okay place I wasn't in a great place but I was in an okay place mm-hmm. for me to not worry about it or for me to not need to do all of these random jobs delivering groceries, uh, posting things on social media, running events, uh, being a driver, anything that you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I said, okay, I have already hustled my way through. I've already, I'm now standing up on my own two feet. Saved up some money, like you're not so worried about it. and Exactly. But I'm still not the best at what mm-hmm. I do, right? Mm-hmm. I'm still not number one at anything. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, I'm not passionate about any of the jobs. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good at some of them. On executing them, but you're not... I'm not anything in particular. Okay. You know, I, I have colleagues. They are as good as me. Mm-hmm. I have, uh, I still have a manager. I still have a director. There's still a director. There's still a CEO. I'm still reporting to people and I'm not the best. And at the same time, there's a limit, limitation to growth because mm-hmm. even if I become the best in this company, I need to go to another company and I still need to become the best to at this company. Again. Yeah. And I just felt like this is not the career that I want to, uh, that I want, that, that I want my life to go, uh, to go in. So the most, the most important thing was to, uh, finally face the fact that my biggest passion in life is squash. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing that I'm the best at. And I don't, uh, even though I'm good at other things, I'm not good or I'm not better at anything other than squash. And this is when I saw the, the, the you know, the golden opportunity of doing something uh, with squash in the UAE. Mm-hmm. My biggest motivation was that there was no one with my credibility here. Uh, even though I'm not world number one, I do have, uh, you know, a good CV and good achievements in squash that no one here has. And at the same time, there's not, no squash here. So mm-hmm. this was my biggest, uh, this was my biggest concern or like my biggest question, because I know that there are so many squash courts here. So I started counting them. I started doing research and I saw that there's like more than 1000 squash courts in the UAE, wow. okay. which is a huge number. Every gym, Every uh, residential building, every club, every hotel. They have a squash court. They have a squash court. And at the same time, you have so many uh, English people mm-hmm. in, in Dubai. Mm-hmm. You have so many uh, Pakistanis and mm-hmm. Indians and Egyptians. Mm-hmm. And those are the people who love squash. Mm-hmm. Those are the people who play squash the most. So I didn't understand how come you have all of those courts and you have the full resources and you have all of those people who are interested in the sport, yet you don't have any squash here. Okay. There's no league, there are no teams, there's no federation, there's no national team, there's nothing. Mm -hmm. So this was my golden opportunity to strategize and make a full plan for the Flying Duff. 
when I first started it, I realized that the the gap that's missing is the fact that there's no squash academy, mm-hmm. but that means that there's no community. Mm-hmm. So we need to have a proper community in it that attracts people to come, not just someone to come and play and leave, but to really come Smart. and feel mm-hmm. like they're a part of a community. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started in one location and then, uh, you know, one thing led to another and one location became nine, one coach became 14 and uh, one client became, uh, I don't even know how many clients I have right now, but a lot. <laughs> and, and 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 you're being uh, um, very um, like quiet when saying the locations because I think right now you're running on the in the best uh, squash courts in UAE right now. So so you you exclusively run on some of those courts and you are like co-running uh, other courts as well. But they are uh, some of the top uh, courts in the UAE today. Exactly. So uh, I made sure to launch my academy in some of the most luxurious locations in the mm-hmm. UAE. So in Dubai, for example, I have Jumeirah Beach Hotel, Jumeirah Mina Salam, uh, Emirates Golf Club in Abu Dhabi. We're also operating in NYUAD. So the, the main thing is I wanted people to feel like they have that accessibility. Mm-hmm. Let's say, for example, someone never has never been to Jumeirah Beach Hotel. They can actually come and play squash and they don't need to pay extra mm-hmm. because they're coming, they're paying for their session and they're leaving. Mm-hmm. So we still give them uh, like a five-star experience. They come in, they have the towels, they have the waters, they have a, you know, the reception, the, the, everything is so on point and everything is so uh, high-end. Mm-hmm. Yet, it's still, you're still paying uh, a lot less than you would pay in tennis or paddle or badminton even. So the prices are extremely competitive, but you're getting the best treatment. So this was this was my strategy to to be able to attract as many people as possible. Amazing, amazing. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to ask uh, why did you call it the Flying Dab because you talked about it before. So if anyone wants to know, just follow uh, Kanzi on, on her Instagram and you will get to know why it was called uh, the Flying Dab. Uh, but speaking of the Academy, so uh, you started up the Academy. Uh, you now run multiple courts. Uh, you didn't mention as well, you have multiple coaches uh, yes. working with you. Uh, on on the uh, academy, uh, can you tell me a bit more about what are your goals with the academy now that it exists? Now that you're creating this community, what like is the I would say the short term uh, goals for the academy? So for the short term, we just launched the first uh, ever UAE national squash team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my goal is to um, uh, where the registrations are open right now. So my goal is to launch that program and to have a team, uh, you know, squash players that play under the, the the name of the UAE to run that because no one has ever run that, and I think it's it's really cool to be connected globally with the other countries in that way. And and, and just uh, just to take you a step back, um, uh, when you started, there wasn't a federation, but now there is a federation exactly. in, in the UAE. Yes. But were you any part of it, like in, in making it I, happen? I pushed a lot. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. I pushed okay. a lot for it to happen. Yeah. All right. So so now there is a UAE uh, Federation for Squash, mm-hmm. and there is a, a program or a project to have the first UAE national team uh, as part of uh, representing the UAE in international uh, competitions for squash. Exactly. The other thing is we've been running a program for uh, athletes of determination. Mm-hmm. So this is a free program where people can come and we, you know, we we invite them to play. We welcome them to play, even though they've never played before. Mm-hmm. And we've had such uh, good progress with the athletes, like the, the way they're improving and the way they're um, uh, just attached to the sport and attached to the coaches. So 
we realized that we have a really good chance of adding squash into the Special Olympics. Mm-hmm. I know that squash is not in the Olympics, but we have actually a much higher chance in the short term of uh, adding it into the Special, it in the Special Olympics. Okay. And mm-hmm. so that's something we're working on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, other short term, so uh, recently we started uh, sponsoring professional athletes mm-hmm. to come live in Dubai and play under the name of the Flying Duff. So we have Mustafa Serati, who's the world number 23. We have a few other players, uh, Yasin Shafi and Khalid Labib, they're Egyptian, also top uh, number, uh, Yasin is 73, I think, and Khalid is 82. Mm-hmm. So we are we started sponsoring those professional athletes to come live here and play under the name of the Flying Duff. And my goal is to have the Flying Duff, the ultimate squash hub, uh, but on a global scale. So... Dubai right now is it's so well located the, the the geographical location is so good and it's so convenient mm-hmm. so pro athletes because they travel every month to play a tournament it's it, it's extremely convenient for them to live in Dubai mm-hmm. first of all they have all the resources from the flying Nav. it's a very clean country it's very safe uh, they can fly everywhere it's extremely accessible and we they have our full support so Uh, unlike other countries so for example uh, you know you you can be in another country and squash is much better but you don't have these resources and you don't have that focus on you because there are so many great players but here you only have uh, like very few that I can count on one hand Mm -hmm. so you don't have that full focus on you because there are so many great players Um, so in the short term again we are looking to recruit more of these professional athletes to be based in Dubai and to grow the professional uh, level here in the the UAE and obviously to grow every single program that I have whether it's my kids uh, program whether it's my juniors the ladies only the local league so just to expand and to grow my all of my programs simultaneously and uh, then the the mega The biggest project that I'm working on right now uh, is to um, build my own squash courts and to have my own squash complex. So I'm not going to say anything more about that for okay, now. Okay, interesting. But uh, stay tuned stay for tuned. more. <laughs> uh, so uh, we are, we are, my team and I are looking into having the first uh, uh, squash complex in the UAE, which will be home to uh, all of the top most of the top uh, professional athletes home to most of the amateur uh, and uh, and local squash players and home to the best and uh, you know biggest squash professional tournaments and junior tournaments in the world as well so big things are coming up that's amazing that's amazing and you started from nowhere and i started Here, from nowhere i started the from nowhere but again uh, i think life really throws a lot of uh, you know a lot of rocks Curve in your balls, face yeah. and uh, you you can't just uh, like when when life throws these like crazy bullets in your face you can't just fall on your face you have to fall and stand up back again and looking back on it now even though when i stopped playing pro i thought that my life was over mm-hmm. i literally didn't know what to do with my life and You know, fast forward, fast forward to four years later, I'm the happiest I've ever been right now because I not I don't have the stress anymore. I don't have this pressure anymore to win, to become, you know, to I cannot lose. I cannot do this. It's it's a much more relaxed uh, lifestyle, even though, of course, I have the stress of the company and I have other other types of stress. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I really enjoy my life as an entrepreneur. A lot more than I was a pro athlete.
it's uh, I don't know how to explain it it's a lot more mature it's a lot more exciting actually more fulfilling I would say it's a lot more fulfilling and satisfying and it's a lot more exciting because in as a pro athlete it was either I was winning or losing I w- even w- yes there are levels for example if I win I win a major tournament yes if I lose there are good losses and there are bad losses but at the end of the day it's just winning or losing winning or losing achievements you've won this X times you've won this tournament seven times eight times sure but at the end of the day it still all kind of falls under the category of winning or losing mm-hmm. whether as an entrepreneur there's so much more to achieve and you you have the responsibility of so many people around you you're not just playing for yourself anymore right so you have to work so that this program is successful so that these kids can become great squash players you have to work so that you can get the best squash players here so you can give them better opportunities as professional athletes to to have better lifestyles and to compete more comfortably and to have more money while they compete etc so it's more i think i really enjoy the um, the giving back to the sport and giving back to the community and offering so much more value to the world rather than just winning or losing for my own good um so definitely my life as an entrepreneur is a lot better and i would have never thought that i would have never in a million years thought that uh, i would be sitting here and saying this today so uh, it's funny how life works but again when when you fall down is actually shocking as well that you're saying it's it's uh, kind of relaxing right now because knowing you like we've been working together on 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 several different uh, aspects uh, it's hard to get a hold of you right (laughs) like even this this we 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 were trying to schedule for uh, for several weeks and uh, uh, you are busy like simply speaking you're so busy you're always all around the world you're you're traveling you're planning this you're doing this you're always on calls you're always doing this and now you're telling me it's like if you relax so i'll put it that way when i used to lose a professional match i would turn my phone off i would not speak to anyone and I would go to the to the extremities of uh, you know I go back to the to my room in the hotel and I would just turn everything off and I would stare at the ceiling <laughs> and I would stare at like one thing in the ceiling whether it's like a, a black dot or something and I would just stare at this black dot for hours and hours and hours like 12 hours 14 hours and I, I lose track of time I lose track of it's like someone died mm-hmm. you know the pressure that I had on myself to win was so intense that even though right now as an entrepreneur I have difficulties of course the business is very hard there's uh, you know there's a lot to do the stress is very high the the, the work is and non-stop but you don't have that type of uh, I don't even know how to explain it it's it's more like disappointment mm-hmm. about yourself you're so ashamed of yourself you're so disappointed in that loss you keep repeating every single point that you played why did you lose this one I should have done this I should have trained harder I should have uh, I should have not gone to, uh, to to drink a coffee with my friend on that day I should have not gone to this birthday party I should have worked harder maybe this player worked better than so, me so, so you were taking your, your results upon yourself 100% but- and I think the whole process of winning and losing really weighed me down mm-hmm. as a person whether now the stress is actually uh, invigorating like i run on stress mm-hmm. the, the the more stress we have in the company that means that something good is happening we yeah. have something big coming you know we're working on an event or we're bringing people or we're recruiting some professional athletes or there's always something super exciting going on so even the stress is translating into something incredible that's about to happen so yes let's stress for two more days but we'll go we're about to deliver one of the you know the greatest speaking, speaking of uh, stress like uh, on, on a side note so one of your uh, team members Khaled 
Shout out to Khaled. Shout out to Khaled. The, 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 the funny fact was that he, he used to do, uh, bo- like he had a full-time job and he was doing flying daf uh, on the side as well. And then you were able to, uh, and he was also very convinced to take flying daf uh, full on as a full-time job, right? Uh, I remember first week he started being full-time Uh, he was working his ass off like from <laughs> what from six in the morning or seven in the morning until like 11 or 12 in the midnight. I was like, man, like you were doing it along a full time job. Now you are actually full time flying deaf. Why is it not different now? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw so. Khaled is one of the one of, uh, you know, one of those very few people in my life that I trust fully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's taking care of everything in the academy. He knows the ins and outs of everything. Um, he runs all the operations on ground. He's the, he's the current executive director of the company. Our dream, both of us, was to become full-time a long time ago. Yes. You know, we launched, uh, like, the academy was launched in May 2021. Mm-hmm. And we both were only, be, uh, we were only able to become full-time two months ago. Mm-hmm. So it took some time. It took, uh, you know, two years or a bit more. And uh, Khaled is so passionate about the academy that he always gave it 150%, whether he had a full-time job or not. So I think when we, when he turned full time he was so excited that he's full time that he actually worked double, double what, what he was he, doing before <laughs> so uh, so yeah I think it's just Uh, it's super exciting because again we're offering something in, in the country that no one else is offering uh, we're leading a whole empire of you know uh, of coaches of courts of uh, of clients who we want them to become better as well I think the good thing about what we do is we don't always look at the numbers and the business side of things we also really care about our clients we care about them being happy about their levels about their progressions about them becoming the best players that they can be mm-hmm. and customer satisfaction and people being happy where where you know being part of our community is the most important thing for us and we always find a way to accommodate and to make everyone happy whether it's a local player or international international player so this is something that we really uh, really care about as well cool and um last couple of questions uh, before we wrap up uh, squash in the uae What is your message for uh, people who might have not practiced squash before or don't know about it? Like, is it is it a family sport? Is it something um, uh, like I would imagine the nearest competition to squash would be paddle or tennis, right? So is it a family sport? Is it something that friends can come and play together? Is it something that no people need to actually train for? Uh, is it good for kids? Like if you, if you can tell me or like uh, give a message out for people who might be interested in squash. Definitely. I think squash is one of the most underrated sports in the world. It was, ra- it was, uh, it was voted uh, a top healthy sports in the world by Forbes. It's actually incredibly good for your health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, again, because the perk is that not that many people play in the world. I mean, 26 million people play in the world, but compared to other sports, it's not that big of a number. Mm-hmm. So you actually have a much higher chance of becoming a top a top ranked athlete so for example in tennis if you're ranked 200 people are saying oh my god this is amazing mm-hmm. right because you have thousands and thousands and thousands of people playing but in squash if you're 200 you're so far off mm-hmm. because the people who are playing are only a handful so you ha- actually have a better opportunity to be recruited and go study abroad whether it's in uh, you know the UK or the US or Canada you have an opportunity to be to be recruited and study abroad if you're an okay squash player mm-hmm. you don't need to be an incredible 
incredible squash player like the other sports and uh, yeah it's definitely one of those underrated sports because of its low visibility and exposure compared to other sports but I would encourage anyone even if you've never played squash before like just come and try it out it's so fun it's incredible I think the few people who I've heard had a bad experience that that's because they probably went and played tried to play with someone who doesn't know how to play mm -hmm. and then they both got frustrated because it's a lot I think this is the reason also why it's it's a bit frustrating because it's a lot harder to hit the ball than in tennis or in paddle because the tennis ball you know it, it bounces very high up it's easy much easier to hit but squash doesn't bounce it's like a rubber small ball so it doesn't bounce that high so until it, you warm it up until you warm it up but it could yeah. be it could could come across as discouraging for mm -hmm. first timers mm -hmm. so if you've had a bad experience in squash that just means you didn't play with the right person but again it's an incredible sport we like our doors are open to people from all ages all levels on all backgrounds this is our uh, you know mantra we operate and to make sure that anyone who comes will have a great time no matter which background you come from you know if you're a pro will accommodate if you're a kid will accommodate you if you're whatever you, whatever your background is and whatever your goals are will make sure that you that you reach them awesome 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 and um, last question for the night what is the legacy that you are trying to build or you want to leave Uh, definitely to be the ultimate squash hub globally. So anyone in the world who wants to play squash or knows about squash or has heard about squash, they also know the Flying Duff. So I want the Flying Duff to be associated with uh, the world, the, the, you know, the, the, the sport of squash and to be the ultimate hub in terms of, uh, you know, uh, resources. So if anyone wants to play, this is the place to be. If you want to become a champion, this is the place to be. So this is what we're trying like to build. Knowing, right uh, knowing uh, the drive that you have, I'm, I'm sure this will happen. Thank you. I'm sure Hopefully. this will happen for 100%. Hopefully. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kanzi. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, I look forward to, to more I and more success. I think we have to do an episode, in a second episode, because I still have so much to talk about. Yes, yes, absolutely. Actually, like a fun fact, I had a ton of notes to talk about. We probably didn't tap into except maybe a couple of notes from those. We'll do so, another one. So definitely we'll do another one. And uh, maybe by then this announcement, we get to talk more details about it. Hopefully. All right. Cool. Let's see. Sounds good. <laughs> awesome. Thank Thanks, you. Ganzi. Thank you so much. Thank